1: welcome back to hurt tell uh we haven't had him on this itineration of the program but he's been a friend of ours for a long time Uh, He is the mastermind and major domo of elections-daily.com. We'll get into that story with him a little later. You've heard us talking about him. You've seen his cohorts on the program. We get the man himself, Eric Cunningham. How are you, sir?
0: Uh, Doing good. Happy to be here. How about you?
1: Been a minute since we chatted, my friend, and there's been some big doings with Elections Daily, and we'll talk about that a little later. But you don't do just election data and crunching and election nerd stuff. You also are quite the good writer we're happy to have you contributing at ordinary-times.com and you took up uh the metaverse so let's just get the nomenclature before we dive into it what the heck's a metaverse
0: so it kind of varies depending on who you ask uh the concept came from a couple of 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 novels and mainly snow crash is probably the the one people think of but the idea is generally speaking like a next evolution of the internet so you have instead of um, multiple different things you could do, websites, games, all sorts of. Stuff. everything goes through one platform and it's in virtual reality. That's the general idea, um, which has a lot of problems. There's also the broader concept, which just seems to be incorporating VR into everything, which seems to be the more Walmart sort of idea where you have like a, a Walmart virtual shopping or you have virtual shopping in Target or something. And then obviously you have Facebook now Meta, who uh, who are really, really invested in the stuff. They own Oculus. Um, they've made this a huge chunk of their R&D budget. They're literally pumping ungodly amounts of money into virtual reality. And all of them are trying to build towards this concept, which is, as we'll talk about in a bit, is not really new, and it's also not really that great. It's got a lot of issues, basically.
1: Yeah, let's start with uh, Facebook, because that's the big-ticket item everybody knows about. Um, uh, Zuckerberg came out. He... I guess, modeled it with me. I don't know how you even explain what that was exactly, but he did a kind of a demo of it. Uh, I found it to be cringy. I found it to be um, kind of disturbing, frankly. Uh, let's Let's back up a bit, though, because they do own Oculus. You mentioned Oculus. I think that's a step before we get here that is instructive to what's going on here because mm-hmm. Oculus was pitched one way, and then once they got it in front of the public, it went a very different way, didn't it?
0: Um, well, I'm not. I'm not a huge expert on Oculus in particular, but they have certainly shifted their direction since being acquired. It's uh, it's gotten certainly more affordable under Facebook. They've reduced the cost of the goggles. The goal is to get as many people to have a virtual reality headset as possible. They pushed more towards gaming, uh, which obviously was always going to be a side of this. But the the long and short of it is to get is rather than being sort of a expensive product for people who are willing to shell out a lot of money for a premium VR experience, they're pushing them into more of a consumer cheaper thing. I think some of their cheaper models are around 200 or $300, which is cheaper than you could get, you know, a Nintendo switch for at, at a store cheaper than an Xbox series X or a PlayStation five. Um, ultimately long-term they're probably going to want to subsidize this even further, maybe even make them free at some point, if they can stomach that cost to make it back in ad revenue and then Um, data collection but yeah they they, since facebook has acquired oculus they have taken in a very very specific direction it's what they clearly see the future of facebook as being rather than just the singular original idea for oculus
1: so this seems like a couple of crossing streams as far as the concept goes because like you said this kind of started in the gaming environment uh vr is nothing Mm -hmm. new i'm old enough to remember the first uh quote unquote, VR, Nintendo, it was red and black, and it was a little Mm -hmm. tripod thing way back in the 90s. Um, So it's not a new concept. uh, But they kind of want to meld what we call um, massive multiplayer online games, which are very, very popular. But they want that to kind of be those kind of communities and that sort of thing to mold outside of the gaming world into things like business, and into things like social media. You're a gamer. Uh, you're, a, you're a tech savvy guy. So I'll just ask you, those are also very, very specific communities, even though they're growing and they're on the forefront of a lot of things right now. I mm. don't know that those absolutely translate to things like business and social media, though.
0: You're, you're right. They don't. And that's sort of the problem with, with this new concept is that so previously... The internet, as it has worked almost forever at this point, is if you want to experience a community, you go to a website and you experience that community. There are different games, and all of them are kind of closed off within themselves, right? So if I go, I play Final Fantasy XIV. So if I go play Final Fantasy XIV, all my stuff is limited to that. I can't put it into a different game. I can't move it over into something. I can't bring something else into it. It's kind of locked behind that. And that's generally seen as normal, right? If you watch a movie. Um, you can't just all of a sudden get something from something else and add it into the movie. Uh, the metaverse idea is that you would transfer everything over. So anything you you purchase in one thing would be possibly in another. That's where they try to tie the NFTs into it, even though you actually don't need NFTs for that. Online stores have existed to let you resell things for quite a while. Um so like, that's the base level of what they're, they're seeing is you're taking these individual communities similar to an MMO, which has been around for a very, very long time. It's almost antiquated concept at this point and trying to meld it into more of a, something that can be worked for businesses or for just casual people chatting. And that's not a horrible idea, but it also already exists. It's called Second Life. It's been out since I think 2003. Uh, was kind of a fad if, if you were cognizant in the mid to late 2000s you're probably familiar with second life to some degree you probably didn't play it but you at least saw media coverage of it right there are businesses that tried to invest into it that to make it into a sort of a, a business thing uh, it, it was very much the first sort of idea of a metaverse and while it was popular for a little bit it's ultimately faded into mostly obscurity it doesn't have anywhere near the player base of even a moderately popular mmo so my biggest problem with this, with this whole concept is that we've already tried the sort of metaverse idea. It already exists. It still exists. You can still experience that. And it didn't seem to go very far. So how does VR really change anything? That seems to be the the big technology here that they're trying to add on.
1: Uh, talking to Eric Cunningham of elections, dot about meta and the metaverse. Here, here's where I'm at it on. And I'll, I'll admit I'm one of the uncool guys. Like I, I, I learned technology because I have to, not because I really like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not a huge gamer. I do play some online games. Uh, but the thing about social media was Facebook and Twitter uh, let's and Instagram. Those are kind of the big three right now. Those were platforms that made connecting with people easier. You could do it just mm-hmm. from your phone. You could do things. You know, Instagram was the whole thing. You can do pictures instantly all the time. Uh, Twitter, you can instantly react to things. Facebook, you can keep up with people in a timeline fashion. One of my criticisms of the metaverse is this isn't easier. You're adding layers to get into something to start with. It's almost the opposite of what made social media and the new technologies popular in the first place. Am I off base there?
0: No, you're not. And I think the fact that it's not really an improvement in terms of anything is a significant problem. The smartphone, when it came out, objectively made connecting to the internet, connecting people easier. Email, when it came out, made connecting people much easier compared to, for example, what the old Usenet thing was, um, or compared to faxing, which is still a thing for some reason. Uh, Like basically when we invent new technology, um, it improves things. The metaverse is simply taking concepts that already exist and making them worse, which is, I guess it's a good way to get people to invest in in your business if you can convince them this is the future. But in terms of creating a compelling product, it's harder to see how this metaverse concept will appeal to anyone. If you're someone who wants to just play a, a game with friends, look at every single MMO out there. Look at the top 20 MMOs. The, what they all have in common is they're either high fantasy, um, so you got, you got know, your World of, Warca- World of Warcraft, your Final Fantasies, your Elder Scrolls, all of that, which some of those are already existing franchises, by the way. And then you have your existing franchise you have your star wars the old republics right those are those are the two major ones there is nothing in there that's just normal life real world sort of scenarios they're all based on fantastical adventures um doing something you cannot do in real life nothing the metaverse lets you do is something you can't already do right now and do easier and more conveniently and it it, especially with Facebook leading the way, you know they have their own ideas of, of data collection, data monitoring. I can say when I play a video game, I'm generally not bombarded with advertisements. Uh, my data is generally not being collected to be sold to someone else. If I'm playing Final Fantasy 14, or if you're playing WoW, or if you're playing any of these, they're even, even something more predatory, they're not generally doing that. That's Facebook's long-term goal. If you have the eye tracking in the VR, you could track to see whether you see an advertisement or not. If you have advanced enough artificial intelligence, maybe you could see, you know, track the movement, not just the movement of the eye, but the intensity of the eye, whether you're really interested in what you're looking at, or it's just a passing glance or a disgust. Like these are all things that you could theoretically do. And it's certainly how Facebook plans to monetize this because they're certainly not going to get a subscription model working with this metaverse concept. This is not something people would pay to participate in.
1: No, and they're pumping a ton of money in it, which means they're going to be looking to get money recouped somewhere in here. We're talking to Eric Cunningham. Uh, He's the head honcho over at elections-daily.com, but we're talking a little metaverse. Uh, When we come back on Hertel, we are going to get into what Elections Daily is because we're always talking about it on this program. We're big fans of it. We're going to talk a little bit more about this metaverse, including that virtual reality, just using that as a barrier in and of itself. Lots more with Eric Cunningham right after this. Ah, Welcome back to Herd Tell, continuing with Eric Cunningham, our good friend. Uh, He's the editor-in-chief over at Elections Daily. Okay, here's the thing about virtual reality and people that back it don't want to talk about it. But every time it gets popular, and this even went with 3D movies when that was a big fad with Avatar and stuff, Mm -hmm. um, this technology has physical limits on it. And I don't mean bit limits, and I don't mean bandwidth limits. There's a lot of people just can't physically do this. It makes them sick. It makes them ill. They don't like how it feels. I'm one of those guys. I have certain issues uh, sensory-wise where like, I don't even like going to a movie because I don't like all the surround sound coming from behind me, that sort of thing. Uh, You have people that, you know, obviously that would be on the spectrum that can't use stuff like this. It might bother them. There's a long list of people that just don't like virtual reality and or physically can't do it. I don't know that they're properly addressing this issue because I remember when Oculus came out and kind of famously, the guy put the guy in charge of that was like, oh, nobody's getting sick from this. And everybody's like, have you lost your mind? Mm-hmm. Th- this is a real problem with this technology.
0: Yeah, it, it's, it's not nearly as intuitive and as uh, user-friendly and as safe as people would say it. As I'm not going to say it's unsafe. There are plenty of people who can engage in virtual reality and do it. But this goes all the way back to the virtual boy that you were talking about earlier. Uh, some people were able to play it fine. Other people had you know, physically ill after playing it for a little bit. Um, it's, just, it's disorienting for a lot of people. There's also the way you interact with this world. Um, pe- one of the bigger movements in gaming recently, actual physical games is, is accessibility, is making it easier for people who have physical disabilities to play games. Uh, Xbox has their adaptive controller. So if you only have one, one arm or maybe you, you have one hand, but you only have, you know, you lost your, your other hand. They have ways that are set up where you could uh, manipulate things. They even have ways you could do it where you could use your face uh, or you can use physical movements like that. The metaverse concept really relies a lot on physical rat, uh, physical, like um, controllers, right? So kind of like the Wii remotes. If you look at a VR machine, any, like the Facebook Horizon concept, which has been widely ridiculed because the, the ad is just ridiculous. But all of the people there have two controllers, and one controller on one hand, one of on the other, and the item on their face, uh, the, the head tracker. If you don't have all of those, how are you going to have your hands movement? Um, there are specific issues with how you interact with this technology that that make it a little bit more problematic and, and troublesome. And it even goes beyond just physical limitations. So people just can't learn this stuff. Um, you know, Facebook's broad market at this point is not the young people. It's 30, 40, 50 beyond. Um, it's middle-aged and elderly in a lot of cases. How many of them are going to go out and buy a virtual reality goggle set and learn how to use it? So they can do what they're already doing on Facebook in a more inconvenient manner. It seems kind of like a flawed concept to me.
1: Yeah. Talking to Eric Cunningham. uh, One more thing to put a bow on this metaverse thing. Uh, You touched on it on the piece you just mentioned it. Um, If, if nobody's like you and me are sitting here going, this isn't a good idea business-wise or tech-wise, surely the people in Silicon Valley, somebody in the buildings over there has to know that this is a iffy prospect is it just because the business model of tech now is get all your money on the front end of investment and if it doesn't work, it doesn't work, but you got your money on the front end? Is that what we're going to be looking at here? Because as long as you can get the boss to invest in it, you can keep this money train going for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Is, is, that, is there an element of that going on here? Because it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense.
0: I think there is. And I think it's endemic to how tech works. You can go all the way back to the dot-com bubble in the, the late 90s, early 2000s, Any company that had any sort of presence on the internet was either being aggressively supported by venture capital or being acquired by other companies. Yahoo, you had the AOL Time Warner merger, which is one of the most disastrous corporate mergers in history. Um, A genuine disaster of a move that had major financial uh, repercussions. The companies that survived, like Amazon and Google, went on to do really, really well. But for every Amazon and Google, there was a Pets.com. There are a lot of those. And so when you're looking at this sort of end of things, you you can look not only to the flaws in the implementation here, the lack of profitability, you can look to previous tech failures. More recently you had the Juicero, which is just such an absur- a patently absurd concept. It was a, a fresh press juicer that did nothing you couldn't already do by hand, that cost a boatload of money and that cost you, I think around 10 to $12 per cup of juice um, that you're getting. And this got a substantial amount of investment from Silicon Valley. You could even look to Theranos, which was promising the moon and the sun and the stars and everything within them. And that promise was enough to acquire billions and billions and billions of dollars. And ultimately it was for a product that not only didn't work, could not have possibly worked. Um, This is very similar. I, I don't think there's no market for something like this. There's clearly a market for some virtual communities, for interconnectedness, for VR, for business implementation. Uh, Second Life still exists. It, it would not exist if it was not profitable to some degree or if it was not being backed by people who think it could be profitable someday. But if, if, if the best you can do, if the absolute best you can do is... Go on to things that is is grab off of other trends that are already popular. Grab drag, drag off of MMOs, grab off of Roblox, being able to create games in that, and just say, well, you can do this here. You got to have a better pitch than that. You got to actually present something new and interesting. And I, I just don't think it's there yet. I'm not sure it can be. At least not in, in the broad-reaching concept that people are really looking for. this interconnected massive web where everything is connected and it's all a single experience that everyone shares.
1: Yeah. Talking to Eric Cunningham um, about the metaverse. Okay. Uh, put your other hat on your elections hat. Uh, we have been using your folks on the show. You've been on the show with me before. Uh, mansky has been on the show. Sarah Stook's been on the show. I'm sure we'll have some of the other folks on since it's an election year, but you just talked about it. Uh, ease of information, having a better idea. You did that with election coverage. You just kind of rolled out of bed one morning and go, I don't like how they're doing election coverage. I think I can do that better. You actually went out and did it, my friend. So give a little bit of the (laughs) background of elections-daily.com. I'm always hyping it. I use it a lot. Let people know what it is and a little bit of the story of how that came about because I think it's a great story on how we really can kind of take control of our own media a little bit. Mm -hmm.
0: So I founded Elections Daily. I think it was – Either two to three years ago, this one we did at the head of the twenty. It was twenty nineteen, I think. So that'd be three years. It's kind of crazy to think that it's gonna be coming up this year. Um, the you know, the media environment for politics is very very tenuous and very very partisan in nature. Um, it's hard to find specific election news coverage and coverage about election law, about politics, about redistricting without a partisan lens when we're you know exactly what the outlet is promoting, and that's what they're going to be promoting. Not that there's not room for that. Um, Daily Cost has some good election coverage. RH, uh, we're friends with people over there; they have good election coverage from a Republican perspective, but it's still a Republican perspective. Uh, we, when I created Elections Daily, and people you know started joining and contributing and writing about it, and we expanded our staff, the idea uh, was to present. Election coverage that is nonpartisan—not that you're not going to have contributors who are Republicans or Democrats or Independents—that they're not going to have their own perspectives, but that our coverage isn't going to be uh, isn't going to be tempered by that partisan expectation and by that partisan nature. Um, and I think that's really been helpful for us. And I'm hoping that there'll be more outlets that, that tend to follow and and go into this perspective because election law is a generally underreported and underfocused on area. Uh, you know, mapping and politics. This is a pretty niche community that, that we're working with here, but it's also one that's growing and it's exciting to see.
1: Yeah, and I I affectionately call you the election nerds because this traditionally, <laughs> it is data heavy. Uh, it is analytically heavy. Um, it's a lot of big words. It's a lot of math. It's a, There's a lot of gatekeeping traditionally when it comes to election coverage. And the thing I really appreciate the way you guys have gone about it, you and your contributors, is This is this is still the hardcore raw information, but it's very, very accessible. Anybody can read it. Uh, You even cover uh, overseas politics. You cover UK. You've covered some of the EU stuff. Um, You get a vast amount of knowledge, but you still keep it on a level where it doesn't have to be somebody that really follows this stuff or understands all the terminology. They can still get into it and understand it pretty easily.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we try to do that with our coverage and we try to do that with our tools as well. Uh, we have several tools on our website that allow people to um, adjust, for example, election results. If you wanted to see how Georgia would look if Trump had won it by a point, we have a tool that to lets you do that. Um, we have, and that's obviously great for people who are really, really interested in politics and really versatile, but it's also something anyone can use. You can go in there and, you know, and, and fiddle around with it and then see what things could look like if you shifted the country a couple points to where Trump would win or if Biden won by more. Um, or potential redistricting scenarios. We try to make it fairly easy to understand. Um, even if the data is there, we try to at least make it um, readable, which is kind of a problem for a lot of the election law. We actually put out an article recently on the Voting Rights Act and how it applies to a congressional district in Florida. Um, and it does go into case law and it goes into all that sort of stuff, but it does explain it you know, piece by piece what these cases actually mean. We're not just name dropping terms and things and expecting you'd already know them. So we try to, to make it a little bit more accessible than, than some other outlets, of it, I, I would say.
1: And since this is going to be an election year, uh, 2022 is going to be, uh, it, it's going. let's just be honest, it's going to be all kinds of ugly on the political front. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing I like about it, you give the raw data, but if you cover it the way you guys cover it, You can really start seeing the trends and you can turn down the noise on stuff like, you know, most important election ever and this kind of nonsense Mm -hmm. um, because you give them that raw data and you give them that coverage and you can start to see, okay, this isn't just how this is happening. Here's why this is happening, because a lot of this stuff really is cyclical. It's trends. And we may not know the final results right down to the numbers, but a lot of the big ticket stories are pretty predictable.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, a lot of it is not just looking at the data, but looking at what's underneath it and, and kind of analyzing it in particular data can tell you things, but data can also be a little bit challenging. Like one thing, one concept that we focus on is, is trends. So, um, you know, if the if a, if a district saw, you know, the 2020 presidential election leaned more democratic than 2016, right? Not only did Joe Biden win, he won by a larger margin of the popular vote than Hillary Clinton. He won by about three points more, if I recall, right? So if you have a district that was perfectly even to the nation in 2016, and then it kept the exact same partisanship in 2020, voted the exact same way, that's actually probably a better thing for Republicans than you would think, because it means the seat didn't shift with the national environment. That's something you can kind of look at and you have to kind of do a little bit of analysis, but there's ways like that. You can look at the data and, and kind of see it in a different perspective. Um, and obviously, you can't just look blindly at the data. There are things that, that that change. There are trends that can reverse. Trends aren't permanent, and trends can be undone. Just look at Virginia. Um, we actually predicted the governor race correctly there. We predicted that Republicans would win uh, the governor race in Virginia, and we did so based on our own examination, not only of the data, but of the race, um, how the polling was looking. Uh, it's, it's, it's a multifaceted process, really.
1: Eric Cunningham. Uh, he's writing about the metaverse that we covered in the first segment at ordinary times.com where he's a frequent contributor and we love having him. And he's the editor in chief over at elections daily.com where you can get all that election stuff. We just talked about tell folks where they really can follow you on social media and some of the stuff elections daily has got coming up. Cause you guys are going to have a very busy year over there. And I know I'm going to be leaning on you. So let folks know where they can find you and your stuff and your compatriots over there.
0: Oh, yeah, you could. Yeah, we, we definitely will for sure. Um, you can find me on Twitter at D.E. Cunningham, too. I tweet about politics, of course, but also culture, uh, media, um, technology, all sorts of different things. I'm a pretty uh, tech-savvy person myself, so there's a lot of that sort of stuff there on occasion when I when I see it. Uh, you can find Elections Daily, obviously, at elections-daily.com, or elections-daily.com, not the at in front of it. You can find us on Twitter at elections underscore daily. You can find us on Facebook and YouTube the same way. We have weekly podcasts coming out um, every Thursday. We have a weekly podcast. We have articles coming out weekly. We have tools on the website, and we're hoping to expand some of these uh, offerings in the future. Thanks to our uh, thanks to our merger with Decision Desk HQ and the new resources and opportunities and and help they're giving us internally with their data, uh, specifically in our election coverage, has seen a massive. Um, improvement in terms of what we can show you and, and the data we're using so really really cool stuff going on
1: yeah i highly recommend them i've been using them just about from the beginning i think we were some of the first to jump on with you guys uh proud of you buddy doing great work we're going to keep having you and the other contributors election as daily on her because you fit exactly into what we're trying to do uh, i appreciate you my friend thanks for the time today Yep. thanks thank you eric